All right. Welcome to another episode of the SEM podcast. Jack Bryce back again with Zach Hewlett as your host. And tonight we're joined by the famous Charles Noble. When I texted him and said, is this the famous Charles Noble? He said, I don't know about famous, but this is Charles Noble. If you served in the Scotland Edinburgh mission, you are famous. Yes, he you is. Got, you got to remember that. All right. How are you doing today, Charles? Doing good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Mesa? I'll just say the Tucson area. Tucson, Tucson. Arizona area. And that's where in Tucson? Like Marana? Uh, south of, a little bit south of Tucson in Green Valley. Oh, nice. It's right oh. next to, it's Twin City. They're Twin Cities, Sarita and Green Valley. They're about 15, 16 miles south of Tucson. Yeah, I've got, I've got lots of family down there. So if you're familiar with the, if anybody's listening is familiar with the Phoenix area, Phoenix metro area, it's kind of like Maricopa compared to the rest of Phoenix. Yep. I don't know if it, unless you're familiar with Phoenix, it would make absolutely zero sense whatsoever, <laughs> but, but oh well, that's, there you it's go. all good. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll get started with. When you got your call, how you got your call, found out you were going to Scotland. Then we'll skip over because we want to know what you've been up to since your mission. And then we'll go back and talk about the mission. So start us off with getting your call. Graduated high school. Worked for about six months. Because uh, they graduated like at 18 and, 18 and something. So I had to wait for a little bit. Uh, I got a mission call in spring, spring of 2004, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Spring of 2004, yeah. Um, when the uh, when the call came, I did actually did something kind of, uh, I look back at it on thinking, I don't know, why did I do that? That was just weird. I actually uh, kind of, I had it for a couple, like a day or a couple of days and didn't open it for a little bit. And my mom was like, why aren't you opening it? I was like, I don't know. I want to see if you, I want, I want you to open it. My mom's like, what? You want me to open it? I'm like, sure, why not? So <laughs> I had my mom, I had my mom read it, read it out in uh, like a, like a small family get gathering. So I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't even the first person to read it. My mom was reading the letter, so. That I is unique. Know. Yeah, that's. I knew, I knew, and I knew I was going to read. I was going to hear it, but I was just thinking, eh, you know what? Why not let my mom read it? She's 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 really excited this year, and she's the one. She's like, "Why aren't you reading it yet?" I'm like, well, I'm kind of waiting for people to be together. I'm just going to read it off right now when nobody else is around. So we waited for a couple. I waited for a couple of days, and that's how I did it. Cool. What, what was, was your re reaction? Sorry, sorry, Jack. <laughs> what was your reaction to going to Scotland? Uh, one thing I was definitely glad is I, had, I didn't have to learn a foreign language because I yeah, I tried to learn French in high school, and believe me, that went really, really, 
really not good. <laughs> not good at all. Um, and I and I still to this day have a, I, I I am terrible at learning languages. I've always been terrible at that. So as I read that, I'm like, cool. At least I don't have to learn another language. You thought. I just had to learn a dialect. <laughs> That's all you have yeah. to do is learn a dialect. I don't have to learn another language. I don't care. This is fine. Let's go for it. I, I, I personally didn't care. I didn't have any preference. Foreign language, not foreign language, other than I think, yeah, if, I, if I'm going foreign language, I'd need, I'm going I'm to need help. <laughs> um, but if it, if it wasn't, I really didn't care if it was in states, out of state, out of state, out of, out of country. It didn't matter to me. I, to me, just had the opportunity to serve the Lord as a missionary was all that mattered. I didn't care where it was. Very good. And you, but you left from Mesa, right? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. For those, for those who are listening, Mesa is a city within the Phoenix metro, Phoenix, Arizona metropolitan area. Yep. Beautiful. All right. So when did you enter the MTC? What month? Do you remember? July. July? Uh, 2004. All right. So July 2006, you went home. Man, I can't imagine going back to Arizona right in the middle of the summer, July, from <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> hey, I had a chance to see the heat wave, the heat, the heat, the heat radiating off the, uh, the tarmac. It's a real thing. I got oh back goodness. in February and I thought it was hot. <laughs> oh, it's a real thing, especially in the summertime. You come off the, air, the airplane's landing and it just the floor just looks like the the the, the runway just looks like it has like a wave running across it. It's just the optical illusion of the heat is radiating off of it. You just get this optical illusion. Yeah. So catch us up with what you've been up to since you got home. Well, um, Not a ton. Um, work. I worked as a custodian for a little while, and well, worked as a custodian for a while. Got married to my wife Jessica. Um, then later on, I decided to go uh, do some technical skill training. I didn't. I didn't want to be a custodian for the rest of my life. I was just not what I wanted to be. Um, I appreciate the fact of having had a chance to do that, but that's just not. I knew I could do better than being a custodian. That was, and then I went and you got training for air conditioning, um, uh, HVAC uh, certification, and the company I initially got hired on with for them with them. Uh, I was right at. That was right at the beginning of the recession at the, at the end of end of Bush going into Obama. Uh, the recession right there, that was, that was right at that time frame. So a lot of businesses like HVAC companies, electricians were just, they were struggling to keep uh, customers. In the middle of the summer, I went from as an HVAC tech working, I got down to yeah, middle, middle, middle summer in the Phoenix area. I got down to like 15 to 20 hours a week working a track. Um, that's, that's a sign that this company is in serious trouble. 
yeah. need to find another job because when winter comes along, I'm going to have nothing and I'm not going to be able to pay bills or anything. So I decided, I'm like, hey, you know what? Shot in the dark. I'll just go because the, uh, the school, the HVAC school he went to, they had a uh, a career uh, center uh, to help help guide uh, former uh, current student, current or former students that they had there to job leads that they, that uh, companies came to them for. And there was one that came in that he's like, well, it has nothing to do with air conditioning. I don't know if you and anybody may be interested in it here. It's car washes. So I was like, yeah, and they said, I'm like, well, what are they looking for? Like, they're looking for a temporary person. They had someone get injured from a grinder injury. So they need someone for like maybe three to six months so that, that person can heal. And it might, it might be just a temporary thing. I'm like, sure. I was thinking, all right, work from the rest of that summer, break into the spring, temporary job, get back into another A-track company. Uh, just a different A-track company. That's what I was thinking. And I've been in the car wash, repairing car washes ever since. Uh, that was what I thought would have been a three or four month temporary job has turned out to be, how long is it now? Like 15 years. Uh, it might be 13. It might be 13 years now at this point. Yeah. Wow. That, that's still, incredible. Still fixing car washes. Um, <laughs> so you travel, great. travel around Arizona and fix car washes. Yeah. I've been to, I've done works and work on car washes in Las Vegas, all across Arizona, uh, El Paso, Texas. Um, yeah, uh, name if name a bigger city, a biggish city in Arizona, I've probably been to a car wash there, including Globe, um, Safford, uh, Tuba City, all the way up in the Navajo Reservation, Tuba City, Flagstaff, uh, Winslow. Uh, Parker on the west side of right, right by California. Just, just pretty much put a map dot all across Arizona. There, I primarily focus now. And since I live in Tucson, there's uh, we have a number of washers down here. I'm the main. I'm the one tech in the southern Arizona, so I primarily cover pretty much anything southern Arizona. So like Benson, Douglas, Nogales, Tucson, Sarita. Marana, Florence, uh, Costa Grande border. I got really close uh, when I go down to Gallus. I'm 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 actually only like two miles away from the uh, the big uh, shipping hub, uh, the cross border uh, hub where all were probably like a fourth of all the uh, grocery products that come into the come from Mexico into into the states goes through. That's that's a really big facility. If they're ever down there, that's that's a huge facility. And when you just look at that, you just see hundreds of uh, semi trucks all in line getting inspected, and probably like ten or twelve of them at a time. Yeah. That's a big facility there. So and it, it's they have all sorts of stuff going through that 
that port of entry down there. Hmm. That's cool. So, I've, uh, so the uh, besides work, I've now I'm down here in Tucson. I love singing, so I've joined a choir. Um, it's called the Sons of Orpheus. Uh, if you ever curious about what some of some of the things they've seen, you can find them on YouTube. Um, they have a video on YouTube if you're interested in it. But I am. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna look it up. For sure, <laughs> sons of Orpheus. Got as it. A reference to the uh, as the Greek reference to the Greek uh, character. Uh, character is actually not just a character; it's actually a real life person. But um, Orpheus is an actual historical figure, but uh, known for his ability with music and so. It's awesome. Cool. That's great. Any children? No, for my wife, it would be very, very dangerous. So, chose to not. And we do, we are planning on uh, fostering or maybe adopting in the future. Cool. That's great. Is one cat? Well, I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole of the story. It's not, it was never planned. Um, it just happened. So, yeah, more than one. It's not it's not a crazy number, but it's more than I wish wish they've had. <laughs> I was happy with maybe two. Like, All right, two that'd be totally fine. That's it. But then there was a long story short. Uh, several cat. There's a cat that when we moved from uh, the house, we I lived in Florence for a little bit. Um, that was our first house. It was a brand new build out in Florence, out in the middle of the sticks. Uh, I do mean sticks because the closest, and when we were out there, the closest grocery store was a 15 minute drive. The closest anything was like 15 minute drives away. It was like, it was, reminds me of a lot of like driving through uh, like Nebraska, where you just have fields and fields and fields, and then all of a sudden you have a what resembles a small town, but then you live out in the middle of the fields and come into the small town for all your groceries or everything you need. So maybe we decided to move away from there because my wife doesn't drive. So that was really hard on her because she really couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So one of my, one of our stipulations when they moved when we moved down to Tucson was, uh, find a place that would be, that would be able to allow her to do go places and potentially and do work or, or something that she could get to relatively close by. So that was one of our stipulations. We didn't want to be out in the, where we were like a, like a, like a brand new build out in the middle of the sticks anymore. That just wasn't applicable for what we needed at that time. Yeah. So you must've got your driver's license then. Oh, I, yes, I did. I got it. I finally got it. Yes. Going into a mission, I did not have a driver's license. never had driven. I got my driver's license about, a year after mission, um, I, I finally learned how to drive at that point. I just never had any interest in driving before that. I know that's unusual for American teenagers, but <laughs> I, it's the usual just, now. You're a trendsetter. <laughs> oh, am I? <laughs> oh, am I? Oh, wow, that's not good. <laughs> 
That's not good. Um, learning to drive really should be done. Now, do you need do you need a rush in it to it at when you're 16 and your brain isn't fully settled? I don't think so. You really don't need a rush into it at 16. But by the time you're 18, 19, I think it's, you probably should be thinking about it and, and trying in a serious way. There you because go. so many jobs require you to go somewhere. I mean, if you can't drive, what are you going to do? Yep. Very you're going to be a janitor. <laughs> There's not the public transport here like there is in the UK. So. Oh, definitely not. All right, Charles. So take us back now. You could start the MTC with who your companion was and then just walk us through the mission, whatever you want to talk about. Remember areas, companions. All right. Um, it, it can be open book. So I wrote a cut down a couple notes just to try to remind myself. I'm like, ah, it's been a while since I had to think about and every area. And, uh, hopefully, I remember everything, but yeah, I may not. So I was in the MTC, the Preston MTC. Um, like most of the people who went to the Scotland mission went to the Preston MTC um, with uh, Elder Lineker. Uh, he. Yeah, Elder Lineker. Um, so in my first my training area, I was in the Kathkin branch in the Glen, in, in the Glasgow, Glasgow. That's Elder Mortley. Uh, if you remember Elder Mortley, he was an Australian. Yeah. He's an Australian from Perth. So um, from Perth, Australia. My second, um, second area was in Huntley, was uh, Elder Leonard. And brain is bad. I want to say I only had five areas. That was it. I had a total of five areas. Five? Yeah, that's it. Oh, my word. Stalwart. Well, Kathkin, I was there for three months. Huntley, I was for one transfer. Um, actually, no, that's not true. Two transfers and uh, two transfers in Huntley. Uh, three transfers in Sterling, two transfers in Glenwatis, and ten and a half months in Kilmarnock. Oh, wow. Wow, that is a long time. And when I was in, well, uh, when I was in Kilmarnock, uh, Elder McClure was my companion for nine months, all by my last transfer. Holy smokes. Nine months with Elder McClure, that's amazing. No, I went to his wedding. You guys must be best friends. You I went, went to, to his wedding? wedding? I went to, uh, he sent me an invitation online um, probably about a year and a half after I got home. And I saved up, I had a little bit of money saved up and got a flight and went to his wedding. Awesome. That's cool. That is cool. Man, that is a long time to be in an area and a long time to be with a companion. Hope you guys got along. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, um, I didn't know this until later on, but uh, you know, the President Greens had asked uh, 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 Christoph McClure, um, asked him, uh, well, you've been, uh, been in this area for a while. Do you want to transfer? Do you want a different companion? He's like, no. I he said I he specifically he specifically put a request says I don't want 
any other companion or any other area the rest of the time. Keep me here the rest of the time. As long as we work together, I don't, you're not going to have to worry about us. And he did. Kristoff, awesome. uh, uh, Elder McClure, ended up being there for in that one area for... He was in that area for a year. Wow. So his last year was one area. That's incredible. He's one we need to get on here, too. So if you are still got contact with him, let him know. Maybe. Maybe you have to look at some old, e- old emails and maybe look find one. Yeah. I might be able to. So those are the areas I served in. Uh, Glenn Rothes, I served with you. Uh, Jack, I served with you, Jack. Um, that was three months. <laughs> Something funny about that. Do you remember the uh, our terrible job of how how horrible we were about taking care of that backyard? Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that was terrible. So uh, the, we didn't. We weren't in a. We were in a. We weren't in a like a like a two story flat. We were just like in a single, which was kind of unusual for missionaries. We were actually in a one story house. And it had its own backyard, which was really unusual. And we were supposed to take care of the backyard. And <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we didn't. We just shut the blinds and <laughs> let it yeah. grow. Yeah, we did. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I remember the uh, yeah. We just stopped looking. I was like, "Oh, it's bad. I don't want to go out there and look at it." Nope. I'm not going to spend my P day going out there looking at it. You can do anything out there. And, Maybe that's, we probably lost that house. <laughs> we did have, when I left, we, we closed that apartment, not the area, but that, I was the last one in that flat. So yeah. 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 You would be kind of. The only time I went back there was when we forget our keys and had to unlock the back door with the butter knife. Oh, <laughs> so secure. <laughs> so very secure indeed. Yeah. Oh man. I want to know how you got the butter knife. Oh, well, it was left. That was like our spare key left <laughs> yeah, in the backyard. Yeah, just on the back porch. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it's true. It was just sitting on the back porch. Covered there in was, we had there was no the no door handle. You just had to stick the butter knife like in the where the mechanism was and open it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, like Charles said, super secure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright who else did you serve with uh, let's see Elder Wilkie and Elder Aurelio Salvatore Aurelio and Sterling and um, brain, we've, had, brain is, we've had both brain, of them on my brain, my brain I think my brain is glitching so I don't think of anything else. So, yeah. Six companions in total of five areas. That's it. Wait, you Amazing. said you killed Elder McClure off. Who that means you had, companion, who was yeah. your last companion? <sighs> Didn't you serve with Matt Fisher at one point, too? And Glenn Rothis before me, right? You're right. I did. My brain, like I said, my brain doesn't is not the best. I was trying to find all my uh, old uh, daily planners 
I actually uh, kept all my daily every every single daily planner and all the uh, the zone conference newsletters, and I was trying to find that box where I actually kept all of them, but I can't remember where I put it. <laughs> it's around here somewhere. I can't remember the exact spot. You're right, Elder Fisher. That's right, Elder Fisher and Glen Rothis, and then you. Uh, so in that case, it's probably like four and a half months in Glen Rothis. So I had a, had a tendency of like either having four and a half, three months, I think was the shortest I ever was in one area. Four and a half was pretty common, and then uh, Kilmarnock was uh, ten and a half months. Okay. I was going to say, I, I, I know I served around you at one point in the mission, and it wasn't when Jack was there. Or maybe it was when Jack was there, because I was in Dunfermline at that point, if I remember correctly. You were... We're all there because we're in that picture uh, that you have, Zach, uh, with like Bass and Aurelio. Yep. And oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going to pull it up. I got to show you. <laughs> Why well, you got a kitty cat on your lap? All right. Butters. You can move over right now. His name is Butterscotch. Right, something, something interesting about him is he <laughs> we don't need your butt in the video um he uh before we found before we got him oh, okay, i see remember that, that see that beautiful picture i remember that in the very that. back right there the elder barber's trying to squish you <laughs> i remember <laughs> That was a fun. That was a fun uh, district. We had a lot of fun in that district. Yes, do you remember? Did. Do you remember at that point in time when we used to play hacky sack after district meeting? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some of you guys were pretty good, and I, uh, I have absolutely zero eye hand coordination. But you know, it. but you know what, Charles, you tried, and that was one thing that <laughs> I really, really like. I just. Like you said, you acknowledged that you had less coordination, but you still came and played and had fun with us. Despite, and if I got like one bounce off of it, I felt like, <laughs> yay, I actually got my foot at the right spot at the right time. Now, don't direct us to direct it. Yeah, I just got lucky. I got my foot at least somewhat there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all took a, a good pegging once in a while from somebody who just wanted to beat us with. <laughs> With, with the hacky sack. Oh, Fisher was, was, Matt Fisher was super good. That's right. I remember. <laughs> he was yeah. super good at that hacky sack. Yeah. And then, uh, I always remember uh, Elder uh, Salvatore's uh, piano playing. I always remember his piano playing. And he had a guitar, too. If he, uh, the play, he used to sometimes play the, PR, the guitar, too. That's yeah. true. It was very good, very musical. Oh yeah, um, I still have a uh, copy of the of the Book of Mormon in from in Greek from him. In Greek, really? Yeah. For those, he, for he, those he, that he, are, he knows how to speak Greek. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. He does. For those, for those that are watching, this is an action shot of Charles playing hacky sack. You see, the hacky is right there. I don't know how I caught that picture. It was pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so 
working on my 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 quick shutter speed on my camera i guess yeah. <laughs> i think one of the uh one of my one of my most memorable lessons giving to an investigator not in a good way <laughs> was uh in sterling i was one serving with elder Aurelio. and he in a, he had two boxes of chocolates he inadvertently gave us the wrong one. He meant to give us the one that was just normal, but he inadvertently gave us the one that had whiskey in it. Oh, oops. Yeah. Um, that's when I discovered that one chocolate, actually half of one chocolate, but just, just that tiny amount of alcohol was enough to get me totally drunk. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. And you were teaching someone at that moment? Well, we were we had a lesson, but he inadvertently gave us the wrong box. And they were both had very like Elder Aurelio had a very very concerned look. He's like, How in the world does this happen off of half of a chocolate? <laughs> he's like, What? <laughs> and and uh, the guy we were teaching is he's a Greek guy. And he was just like the look almost looked like um, sorry, <laughs> never seen that happen. So the next time we were there, uh, he said, I, he's like, I totally triple check and you can double check yourself. Don't touch the box unless you double check. It's like, I've, I, I can't, I've never seen that happen. I'm like, well, you hadn't met me before. <laughs> I yeah, had, had a low low tolerance. It sounds like. Well, I've discovered later on. I've realized that I have to have a very low tolerance for medications, pretty much in general. Oh, okay. um, my twin brother, my identical twin brother, when we were sixteen, was in an accident and had both of his legs broken at the same time. They put rods and pins in his legs to. To help them set. And in the process of doing that, they gave him one dose of something called Percocet, which is an opioid uh, painkiller at the end of the surgery, thinking that he's going to be in a lot of pain after the uh, putting rods and pins in his legs. That one dose almost put, into, put my twin brother into a medical coma. So he has the same sensitivity. Yeah, we're identical twins. So I thought about it later. I thought about it. Thought about it later on, and realized, you know, that explains my my complete uh, death aversion to any form of alcohol in any trace amount, even trace amounts, is enough to make my body just mm, overreact. Yeah, you got to be careful with hand sanitizer. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, if, it's on my, if it's on my skin, it's not a problem. It's when it's ingested, like that chocolate experience happened, like the chocolate happened, that one's ingested, that's a problem. If I were to, if someone were to force feed a whole beer to me, I would probably be dead before they got me, before I, before I get to the hospital, or I'd be so bummed, oh, puking, and it would just be, it would not be, it would not be pretty. You're definitely but, the, the first missionary we've had on here who's been drunk on their mission. So, 
it was, it was, not to it. It. <laughs> it was, it was a complete accident. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, said the memorable, that's why I said memorable, not in the good way, <laughs> nevertheless memorable. Um, that's funny. The, um, serving in the suit, uh, the, in terms of people, uh, who ultimately got baptized, we taught, um, Elder Aurelio and I taught a, a lady named, uh, a lady in Sterling, and she did get baptized three months after I left Sterling. Um, and then when I, later on, I heard about the amazing miracle that happened for that to happen. Um, Elder will probably mention this, I'm sure he probably did, but she had a dream from her deceased husband uh, on the other side of the veil saying, I can't progress. You need to help me progress. You know what choice you need to make. Help me progress. And she got baptized. And um, but she was, but she was, she was afraid to get baptized because uh, her whole family was totally, uh, completely disowned her. They already warned her, said, "If you do anything with this, you're going to be totally disowned, and you might as well consider yourself as a dead. We're not going to talk to you again. Just done." So she was very afraid to get baptized, but that dream um, helped her overcome the extreme situation that she was going to put herself into yeah wow and that was that was the uh in terms of anybody that we taught well i was involved with teaching that was that was the that was the closest that ever gone to someone actually getting baptized other than that no but i don't think that was uncommon for a lot of missionaries in scotland yeah that's very true So tell us more about some of the other areas you served in, what you remember. There was a, uh, Kathkin was a, my, my training area with Elder Mortley. Uh, I learned a lot from Elder Mortley of just basic uh, missionary stuff. And coming into a mission, I was definitely, and uh, probably still am not a people speaking person. I'm just not very good at that. Never have been. Uh, but going into mission, my goodness. <laughs> I sure had a lot of weaknesses in public speaking or talking to other people about anything other than the weather. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, uh, I was not prepared for mission in that area. Um, so I remember we knocked on a whole lot of doors in that area. Um, in Huntley, uh, knocked on some doors, but we spent, we did a little bit more member missionary work there in Huntley. Uh, the Huntley branch had maybe, maybe 20 active members. That included a, that included the missionary, uh, us as missionaries and also a uh, senior couple, the Sutters. So that's four missionaries. 
So it's only at least 16 active regular members for a fairly, for a really large geographical area. So just, just it's, uh, that was a really tough area for people to remain active in, just really, really tough area. I remember there was a, there was a sister who in, in the ward who we would have a, a, a meal with uh, every week. And every week we'd always have a prayer before we went there. Please help us to not get sick. Please help us to not get sick. And I tell you this because this is true. One time I saw her, the towel that she had uh, some rolls wrapped up in. First, I was thinking, eh, that's just a eh, towel looks a little bit, a little bit on the dirty side. Why, why she wrapped it up? And she had a sneeze, so she pulled the towel off, blew her nose in the towel, and just put it right back on the on, right back on no the rolls. Way. I'm not joking. I just put it right <laughs> back on the rolls that are like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I will tell you this, and it's totally true. Um, at that point, missionaries had been had been going by her uh, her house for uh, for probably like two or three years at that point, and not a single one had gotten sick. Even though that's was that's a miracle. That was well, <laughs> blessings on the food. It can work. Um, no one ever got sick there. Everybody really should have gotten sick there. Like everybody should have gotten really sick there. But no one ever did. Now, that wasn't true for other members who went and visited her. They generally did get sick. Oh, man. <laughs> but we never did. That was the hand of the Lord saying, no, not my missionaries. She had, she had a golden heart, but just a house that probably shouldn't be preparing food in it. <laughs> um. I remember that very well. Um, just nice, nice lady. Just no, no, no sense of hygiene there. Um, willing to blow your nose right into a into a towel and then put it right back on the on the right on the bread that you're serving. It's not the way you. It's not the way you're supposed to serve food to someone. Yeah, and I'm sure whatever else happened before that, we don't know. It was probably just as bad. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember that area. Uh, that was that's one thing in particular. I remember we. It was there. That that's the area that I learned. Uh, the <laughs> actually heard someone say the phrase, uh, "You can, you can, you can," and they meant it in that in that in that exact sentence, and I understood what they meant. I, I got what they said. I'm like, okay, I haven't. I've been in Scotland at that point. I've been in Scotland for probably almost, almost six months, and that was the first time I'd heard any Scottish person actually use "can" three times in one sentence, and not even think about it. It was just normal for them. That was the only area that I'd ever heard that, and it made sense to you. <laughs> yes, it did. And it did. Um, once again, I think the Lord. I know, even though I, 
even though I didn't think about it, I know the Lord definitely helped me to understand the dialect in different areas because I never seemed to have a trouble understanding anybody's speech anywhere. Even in the, even out in the middle of the countryside, where people use "kin" three times in one sentence, and out of four words in the sentence, and three words are "kin." Ken used three times in a row. That was a sentence. I understood it. Most Americans, I think, if they were just to hear "ken" once and kind of be befuddled, but three times in a row, they'd be totally lost. Like, what did you say? <laughs> What did you say? But I got it. I understood it. Um, Sterling, I remember. Uh, Sterling is a lot of hills. <laughs> Sterling is a lot of hills in that area. Um, I mean, we Elder really and I walking up hills all the time. Um, they, they, I remember the night very well. That we had uh, when we found that we when we found uh, I so wish I had my notes and find it and see her face. I could hear her voice. I just can't put the name on it. Started with a K. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just can't remember it. Um, that's when and she's the lady who uh, later got baptized. Um, Kiara. That was her name, Kiara. Um, spell spell with a K, not C H. Okay. Um, you find her chapping? Yes. Uh, it was a very strange week for us. Every time we would pray about Neri to go chapping in, we kept on we kept on getting led to this one individual like group of streets. We'd go chapping pretty much all day there. Nothing. The next day, we guided there again. And again. And again. And they were just like, <laughs> and I think it was probably close to two to three weeks of every single day just being told, you need to go to this area. You need to go to this area. We're like, why? <laughs> why do we need to go to this particular area? I don't know. The Lord keeps on telling us to do it. So we went. And it was one of those it was one of those times where you chap until eight o'clock at night and you're you're just asking yourself, okay, well, it's time to probably start walking back. By the time we get to the we need we need to catch that last bus, which is at eight twenty. We only have like twenty minutes to get to our last bus to get back, so I don't know, one last door. Which door do you want to go to? And we were about to knock on a door, and it's like, nope, not this door. Keep on going down. So we walked to like three or four doors, and it's like, this door. Okay. So we knocked on the door, and that's how we found her. It was after like two or three weeks of like knocking the same area every single day, like, and nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden, we found her. Um, the Lord, no, we didn't find her. The Lord directed her to us. And we just needed to be there at the right time when she would actually be home. We had been knocking at the wrong times. We needed to be knocking at 8 o'clock, 8.15 at night to be able to get in contact with her at first. Yeah. That was just the, that was the time we had to be knocking on the door to be able to actually get a hold of her. 
We could have knocked it any other time before that. She would not have been home. And I remember that very well. I was, I was a very strange couple of weeks, and we just knew the Lord just kept on telling us, you need to go there. So we did. And as far as I know, she has, as far as I heard, uh, she ended up going, um, staying active in the church, uh, getting a temple recommended and to this day is active on uh, her daughter, which was a couple years old, um, was active in the church as far as last night I had ever heard. So cool. I, I don't know. We'll, who knows what will come, who knows what will come of that from down the line. I don't know, but I know that was a very interesting couple weeks. Um, Glenn Rothis. Yeah, we knocked on a lot of doors. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did knock on a lot of doors. I don't remember. It didn't remind me. I don't remember we had too many particularly solid investigators. I don't we had, there was a guy. I don't remember his name, but he went. Um, we would visit him pretty regularly. He went, came to church a couple times, went to award activity with us. And then we had the bishop come with us to teach him. Um, but that was like the last teach we had with him. That was like our, our teaching pool definitely wasn't very big. No, it was not. But I do remember the appointment with the bishop because he had a, I think he had like a Christina Aguilera calendar on the wall. And the bishop's like, we were talking, we were giving him one of the like further along lessons and about the law of chastity or something. And the bishop's like, so for example, we wouldn't have a calendar like that on our walls. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I may explain why we lost that investigator. Right? Maybe. 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 It was, it needed to be said. It, so. was, it was true. Yep. Um, that is, that type of calendar, those types of things are extremely common and flagrant in the world today. I, I'm at a workplace when I, sometimes they have coworkers around when they have projects where you have multiple people, usually I'm by myself, but I just hear it so much. I just, people, people just have such really dirty mouths. I don't know how to describe it other than they just have really dirty mouths and dirty minds. Do you send them through the car wash? <laughs> <laughs> Clean them up? I wish I could. <laughs> um, I know it's the, the first, uh, I've no, I've noticed this happen. Uh, the, the first one or two times I'm, I'm with a coworker, they sometimes will say things, but then by the second time they've noticed that I've never responded to any other things. And I don't use any other those types of words back with them, and they just kind of—I don't say anything. But at the same time, the next time I see them, they just talk in a much more clean manner and actually start apologizing for using curse words. And I've never told them that you you can't, but I've just noticed that they just they just start automatically doing that because they're like, "Oh, this guy doesn't do any of these words." Yeah, I remember the first day you were my companion. So I came to the area and you asked me like, what do you, what do you usually eat for breakfast? I was like, I don't know, toast and cereal. 
So the next morning you had toast and cereal ready for me. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, who is this guy? Who is but, this guy? Is the uh, <laughs> the guy that on my first the first date that I had with my wife that I went that was, that was with the, that I went to go visit that, that introduced to her family. I instinctively. When it came to everybody else started to go playing a board game or something like that, I walked over to the kitchen and started doing dishes with her mom. That's just instinct for me. Smart slam, move. Slam dunk right there. <laughs> That's just normal for me. That's just immediately what you do. That's who you, this guy is. You just hope the host of whoever was kind enough to let you in. You'd be kind to them. Um. Um. <laughs> I know it's not really a mission, but this is a funny story. The first date that my wife and I had uh, was a blind date. We were set up on a blind date. And I get to the door, knock on the door. She doesn't, doesn't answer. About 10 minutes later, I'm like, yeah, she's not. I knocked a couple times and she has not answered. I'm like, yeah. Oh, well. The blind date. No big deal. I'm about to drive away and she comes riding up on her bike, like, don't go, don't go yet. I'm like, oh, that's why she didn't answer the door. And then she said, uh, I was like, well, I'm like, well, I'll just go wait in the car. You, you want to go get ready? I'll just wait in the car. Just come down whenever you're ready. And she's like, well, that's fine, but yeah, I'll, I'll just get my stuff and I'll just take care of myself in the bathroom. You can just, she had a studio, studio apartment. I'm like, I felt really awkward. I'm like, uh, I'm not, this is really, 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 really awkward. Um, so she's like, uh, where am I supposed to stand in your studio apartment while you take your shower in your own bathroom? I'm like, uh, where am I supposed to stand and not feel totally, totally out of the place? And so I know I found the one place. It was that little tiny kitchen, that little tiny nook kitchen in the studio apartments. She had dishes. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I can't stand around anywhere. I'm afraid to turn around. <laughs> so <laughs> I did all of her dishes and dried them and put them away in her cupboard because, well, that's what you do when you do dishes, right? Yep. You clean them, rinse them, dry them, and put them up right away. So that's what I did. Um, and now she's your wife. Another slam dunk. Well, that's just that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed you're to do. That's nothing. That's nothing exceptional. It's just normal for me. That's situation normal. It's because in you're our, in, exceptional. In in our world, that's not normal. Most 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 guys are there for for the. For other reasons besides, oh, I'm going to wait here and do nothing. Maybe hang out on my phone. But you did the dishes, and that's amazing. Yep. Well, that's how you treat your companions. That's how you took the same logic. My mom taught me to uh, be respectful of other people, and you'd, you'd be considerate of their needs and things that they need. Or, my brothers. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, that's just the way my mom taught me to to be. So I treated all my companions that way. 
Yeah. So like that breakfast that you had there, that's just normal. That's what you should do. That's just in my brain. That's just what you should do. When I was with Elder Christoph with Elder McClure, I don't know how many times we, how many times we did breakfast. It's fun. Uh, we had a companion and uh, we had a, a uh, someone we were teaching in Kilmarnock who was from South Africa. <laughs> I remember this really well. Um, and he was talking, he started talking about the, uh, as he called it, biltong. It's basically beef jerky, but this is the, their, their name for beef jerky in South Africa. So he taught us about, he taught us about how to make beef to, uh, biltong. So I remember we actually, in our flat, we actually made biltong in our flat. Wow. Nothing, was, no, no special meat or anything, just, just like typical beef? Always got a decent, a decent cut of meat, stripped it, cut it down to very thin strips, uh, put seasons according to what he described and how, and, and, and according to the recipe kind of thing he described, went ahead and made it and, uh, hung them out on, uh, got an ingenious head, hang them on the racks over the radiator to help dry them out. Oh. Wow. So I was going to say, was, how did you dehydrate anything in Scotland? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hang it over a radiator. <laughs> Those unsafe radiators are so big. It's so crazy. <laughs> we hang it over, we hung it, we hung it over a radiator with like uh, some towels underneath it to help keep staining the carpet. We can just wash those towels. And so we made some biltong there. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. Charles, I have a question for you. Sure. So, I spoke with Kevin Verdahim the oh, other yes. day, and he he called you by the name of the Nobleator. Do you recall who gave you that nickname? I do not recall, but I remember it being very common among other missionaries. It's because you were the Nobleator. I don't. I remember it being common among a lot of other missionaries. It didn't seem to matter what or what area I went to. It just seemed to follow. That nickname just seemed to follow along. But you don't, don't remember know. where it started? Not exactly. It was. It was just so common. I don't remember the exact point. It may have been. It may have been Glenn Rothis. It may have been Sterling. I was going to say, I, I, I can't picture Brock Wilkie or Salvo Aurelio calling you that, but I can picture Matt Fisher calling you that. That'd be my guess. That that would definitely that, that would definitely fit his personality, all right? <laughs> Did, uh, has, he, has, he still, has he still riding his four-wheelers? I haven't talked to Matt yet. That's that's someone we need to get on here. I I would love to catch up with him. Before I, before he came on the mission, that's the reason why he he had a, a couple of weeks delay because he uh, broke his leg in a uh, riding four wheelers before going on the mission. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And then, to, uh, and then to ask him about it. And then uh, he he hadn't fully truly actually fully healed, so his ankle was still a little bit rolled. That's the reason why. For the first, after his first area where where he was walking on the rolled ankle, 
uh, the next like seven, eight months of his mission were in car areas. Oh, so that he could get, he could see off his foot as much as possible. So we could actually heal. Um, hmm. But he, but he had uh, had a severe rolled ankle uh, from a uh, from a four wheeler rollover before his mission. Wow. And that's the reason why he was in cart areas for so long, uh, because they wanted to make sure he had a chance to get his foot healed before he before as an as an American he would have to stop driving. Yeah, so yeah. they wanted they wanted to give him a chance to make sure he could he could actually walk and not be limping everywhere. So they, put him, so they put him in Thurso for like 10 months or something like that. I, I can't remember how long he was up there. <laughs> yeah, he was up there a long time. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, he was definitely in car areas a lot of the mission. And I remember uh, there was many times he'd get, we'd come home uh, after chapping for a while or doing stuff. And his foot was just like swollen puffball. So it just oh, like, wow. we'd stick like we'd just stick packs of ice on his foot almost every day uh just to help try to get the swelling down every day it was Sheesh. he had a he had a few rough first months because he just was, he couldn't walk anywhere he just couldn't put pressure on it, it was just constantly because he, he never had a chance to heal and you yeah. just keep aggravating that injury it's just not going to it's not going to get any better i got another question for you so most of us gained weight in scotland but not you <laughs> right. No, like, I, I put it back on, but yeah, you know. um, that 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 makes a big difference from going from a highly sedentary, non-exercise exercise life to walking around everywhere. As the only, the only, we had, I had a car in two areas, Huntley, and. There was one in Glenrothes, Glenrothes. That, that they sent away when I came. Yeah, Huntley and Glenrothes. But I'm not bigger. The other, all the other areas I described in, they were all walking. So having gone from a graduating high school at two, 250 pounds, almost no exercise routine whatsoever to being a missionary walking around everywhere, you're naturally going to lose some weight because you're now actually going from active and actually going to be active and now you're going to lose some weight how many stone did you lose five five out there five stone that's incredible oh my gosh you and i swapped i i left like five stone heavier (laughs) yeah i lost five stone uh within the first year then just kept that it just stayed it just stayed off um that's what I remember I, about first meeting you. I think we met at the tattoo, actually, the Edinburgh tattoo, when you were with oh, Loki. Yeah. And your suit was, like, falling off you so big because you <laughs> lost that weight. But that's awesome. Did you, did you get a replacement suit at some point, or how did you How did you do that? I don't remember. I, you had a rope for a while for a belt. I remember that. But somebody that made true. you get a new suit. I did. I did have a rope. I remember that. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know how you did that. Uh, because I couldn't get a regular belt to cinch that cinch the pants down enough. You should have just permanently borrowed one from one of the thin the thinner missionaries. 
Yeah, I'm a cheap. I'm a cheap person. Okay, I don't like spending money. I'm not, I said permanently borrow. That means steal. No, Take it no, away. No. There was too much stuff in those flats left behind by previous missionaries. I I decided not to pick up much of that stuff because, oh my goodness, I, my my suitcase was heavy enough as it was. I didn't feel like putting more in it. Oh my goodness, it was way too heavy as it was. I didn't feel like putting more in it. I still have football boots from the mission that I found in a flat in my sport bag in my garage. <laughs> That's how I got my new suit on the mission as I found it actually in an apartment. I don't know who was the missionary who left a suit big enough for me, like long enough for me, but somebody did. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. I did. I think, I think I did find one suit in a flat that was smaller. And I think at the, towards the end of the mission, I used that one most of the time. It was like a blue, blue pinstripe suit. Oh yeah, the mob boss one. I remember that one. <laughs> it was like a blue pinstripe suit, but I wore that one for a while because it fit way better than my ones I started out with. Ones I started out with, they're like giant bags on me. They were just yeah. I eventually just left them in my suit in my suitcase and never and didn't, didn't even take them out from mission area to area. They just stayed there. And I think uh. Most of the time, I just, you know, that's what I, I, I had a, I went thrift store shopping a few times and found other suits that just, that fit. And I didn't care about color matching. Who cares? I've <laughs> never, I've never been known for being color coordinated. Never happened. So I just find anything that kind of fit and whether it was a green, I think I had a greenish coat once with like gray pants which doesn't really blend <laughs> but i didn't care I, I don't i don't care about those particular things my wife to this day still gets on my case sometimes she's like no you're not walking out of the house like that I'm like what's wrong like no you're not you're gonna put this on instead you're not walking out of the house like that <laughs> you need to tell her from now on you can't tell me how to dress i'm the nobelator <laughs> No, she could tell me how to dress. <laughs> I totally agree. If she says I need to dress somewhere else, like something else, I will do it. The real the noble answer lady. Is, the answer is yes. You're a yes. smart, smart man. The answer is yes, I will do it. <laughs> All right, Charles, I have another another memory that I want to share with you. So if you recall, when we were in the Dundee zone, we had an epic um, a zone, zone, what was it, zone activity. Zone don't football move? No, where we went to the park and then we had a water balloon fight at this flat. Do you remember this? Ah, yes. <laughs> I've seen that for a long time. Now, the funny thing is, I can't remember who took the picture, but I saw a picture at one point where you were upstairs in one of the rooms with the windows open and Everyone else had ducked down because they were expecting water balloons, and you were up there eating a sandwich or something with your head <laughs> just sticking out of the window. And I, I, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you because it is one of my favorite pictures of you of all time. <laughs> However, at, at this barbecue, I can't remember who told you to, but they told you to eat his, maybe fill your mouth, and this is my favorite picture of you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, that would be me. <laughs> You just you're just purely happy. It's amazing. Like 
happiest boy, happiest boy in the mission right there. <laughs> I love it. I, in high school, to explain that, in high school and in junior high, I used to eat all sorts of thin combinations that should not be eaten together just for the sake of trying them. Such as? Well, take a vanilla milkshake, vanilla milkshake, eat half of it, then proceed to take your nacho chips, your nacho cheese, the lettuce, tomatoes, sour cream, all that stuff on it, a uh, little bit of broccoli from someone's, else, someone else's left, left, last broccoli from someone's soup, stick it all together, and walk away, mix it up, walk away to your locker, take care of, go get your stuff from your locker, come back, all my friends were giggling at the table, be oblivious, eat what I, eat there, eat, eat what's on the top, and then they all go, ooh, I'm like, what? Like, we just stick a cricket in there. Oh my gosh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's what that extra crunch was. What's the problem? And, con and continue to proceed to eat the rest of it all the way down. Not bad an eye. Oh, so does that never, explain never miss that, a meal? Does that explain why I'd be willing to do that? Just stick a sandwich in my mouth and just stuff it. <laughs> Who cares? I got that there. If I want <laughs> to stick nacho cheese and salsa and bits of pizza inside my milkshake and stir it around and eat it, I think just stuffing your face with a little with a little bit of sandwich is not a problem. Will do. <laughs> So, Elder Noble, tell us about memories you have of the Vrainses, present Sister Vrains. Oh, Sister Vrains. Let's all start with Sister Vrains first. I loved the birthday cookies. Oh, she called them birthday cookies. Those were not cookies. Those were monster pies. <laughs> Monster pies. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the uh, the birthday the at zone conferences? Yes, exactly. Oh, oh yeah, they were humongous. <laughs> they had to be shared between like four people, and even then, you still felt like you had too much cookie. Um, I, I never <laughs> shared. No way. Not not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shared mine. I shared mine with like five or six people. Um, uh, I was perfectly willing to do that. It was perfectly fine. Um, another thing I remember about her. Do you remember the time she went around during the zone conferences and she put on like the piggy the pig outfit and that and then piction out to <laughs> yep. remind and, to, and talking yep. about flat cleanliness. And yep. you and me, Jack, were uh, one of the reasons why she talked about that. Um <laughs> 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 she was talking about flat cleanliness and um being better <laughs> about keeping our flats clean and, and being good little piggies and not messy piggies. But she, but she actually yeah. stuck like a little, like a little pink, little pink schnauzer, schnauzer on there, schnauzer on their nose, and did that during zone conference. Um, oh yeah, no, I, that's, I a, that. that's a prevailing, uh, prevailing memory of Sister Vreen's. I, I don't know if she loves that or not, but you know, <laughs> she had to do with that too. She was laughing when she was doing it. She was, she wasn't doing it just because, like, oh, this would be kind of. Then you get the message. She was like, oh, what's the funniest way to do it? And that's what she did. I remember all the types of things like she used to do like that. Um, 
My favorite was watching Prison of Rains in the background with his hands over his face and just doing this the whole time. <laughs> just wondering, oh, great. Oh, not again. And she, and she went after it. She, I remember one time she was like, put some sort of like wig or something on just to get some point across. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, she used to do silly things like that just to get the point across in silly ways. Um, I remember President Reigns, he always had really good, um, really well put together his own conference talks. Um, I always really liked that about him. Very organized, um, very people orientated. And the few times I was by the mission home, which was really, really, really rare. How many times it actually was there? I think I can count on on my one on, my, on less than one hand the number of times I was at the mission home. It was less than one hand. Uh, coming in, going out. The military tattoo. Uh, the second time, the because of the because of the way uh, because it came in July and it came, uh, leaving in July, I had a chance to actually go to three tattoos. So my first time, so I had another. Really? It just happened to work out. I actually go to three tattoos. Um, the second tattoo uh, I went to, uh, we had traveled from. I can't remember where it was. But we were, there was no way we were going to get back that night, so we stayed overnight at the mission home. I think. I think those are the only three times I was at the mission home. Never, no, no other times was it there. But I was always impressed. I was always impressed by the garden that President Vance took care of and maintained. He did not hire that garden. They did not have a hired gardener. He took care of that garden himself. If you ever, if you ever saw the mission home over there, he took care of the garden himself. Um, yeah, because I that was that. he was a his his professional his professional job is a floor florist company, uh, doing bouquets, centerpieces, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, they were, I remember him talking about it one time and they, uh, they were hired a couple of times to do some of the big ornate, uh, flowers in the back, in the background behind the speaker stand for general conference a few times. So that's the type of level of floral work that this company can do. You know, and dragon. Sorry about that. All good. Yeah, it's all good. But I, I would definitely appreciate his very, very organized talks. Um, I used to keep notes, like studious notes of every zone meeting, different district meeting, zone conference, general conferences, uh, state conferences i still have those journal notes um they're all written in there so they go from every every district meeting i have all those notes from and all that stuff still 
I remember Elder Bird one time asking me, like, he asked me one time, he's like, what did President Green say in this Zoom conference? And I looked back at my notes, Mike. He talked about this. Because they had all the notes written down from uh uh that's that's one thing I did to help uh because those those sometimes those seats were just way too soft. So I had uh one of my reasons why I did that was to help keep myself awake. Because once as missionaries we were used we were used to walking around all the time. But sitting on a real comfortable spot for like a couple hours, it's too easy to fall asleep. Yeah. So That's very true. <laughs> I do this to this day now. I would sometimes wake up in the morning and like, oh, I need to get up. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to read one article, read an article in the newspaper and, uh, from the newspaper or headline or something. And I sit on the couch. All right, one, one more article. And I'm going to go. get to get up and move. If I don't move after that, if I don't move halfway through that second one, I'll fall asleep. I'm out. Um, so I already knew that going in as a missionary, I already knew I had that tendency. So one of my strategies to make sure that I wouldn't do that during zone conferences or district meetings was to make sure that I took really good notes and sometimes move around a little bit just to make sure to help keep myself awake and make sure I can keep good notes. By doing that, I kept myself from falling asleep as much as possible. And I don't know if people knew that's that was one was my biggest reason for doing that. Also, like to have an idea as to what people had said, so I can look back at the notes. But it served as a double, double purpose to help me keep me from falling asleep. At the same time, I guess I should have taken notes while I was teaching because I often <laughs> fell asleep during those experiences. <laughs> I can't say I ever fell asleep during a teaching appointment. I can't say that. That's impressive. I was yeah. too engaged in trying to do my best at teaching lessons and i know i never was never very good as a missionary in terms of discussions i was probably always second par and second rate in terms of discussions but no you weren't don't say that this is this is the classic humility coming out that wilkie talked about in his podcast that's right well, just never been very good at that so I just struggle to, I don't see how I am particularly fabulously good at anything. I'm just not, <laughs> I just don't see that. That's all right. Who else? So Charles, who else should we get on the podcast that you'd like to hear from? Well, since you haven't, since you've heard from Elder Aurelio and Wilkie, and uh, I don't know if you ever heard from Elder Leonard or Elder McClure. Yeah. Uh, they're both English. Yeah, those are two we haven't had on. I wonder if I would somehow find a way to get a hold of Elder Leonard. I saw him one time um, after my mission. Uh, he was just so happened to be, and I don't know how it came to be, but I was walking from my house in Mesa to the Mesa Temple because it was only like, I lived only, what was it? Less than two miles away. So I just said, I'm just going to go walk. I'm just going to walk to the temple, go to temple session. Just walk. And I just so happened to be walking at that time. And he was in town, in Mesa, for some reason, on this, out that street at that very moment. 
And Polar was like, Charles, what are you walking here for? I'm like, I'm going over to the temple. I'm going to the temple. I wanted to go to, go to a temple session. He's like, I'll give you a ride. I'm like, okay. So I let him take give me a ride and talk to him for a little bit after that. And um, as in, he wanted to be, a, I know he wanted to be a dentist on him. And he always, he had many conversations with uh, Elder Sutter, uh, the senior couple there. His elder brother Sutter was a dentist before he, before he had retired as a dentist, before he was going on a mission. So I remember they had uh, they had many conversations about what was life as a dentist, um, what what types of things he should do in in school, uh, what what should he do as his under his for his pre meds, what types of things should he classes should he take before he goes into his uh, post pre meds into the into his specialty of dentistry. Um, he had many conversations with Elder Sutter about that because he was really interested about being a dentist. And I don't remember exactly how he was in Mesa, Mesa, Arizona at that time, but I remember him, uh, it was to my surprise, he was there in Mesa and just so happened to be on the street at that moment and uh, saw him and he drove by and picked me up and took me over to the temple there for the last, I think it was only like four blocks at that point, but oh well. Wow. That's that really cool, though. That's quite the coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Any others of your favorite missionaries that you remember from the mission that you want to hear from that you could wanted to bring to our attention, Charles? Have you had Elder Bass? He's on the Coming schedule. on next, next week. So he's he's... Is it next? Yeah, next week. No, two weeks. Sorry. He's on the future schedule. Okay. He always had a really good sense of humor. Um, uh, some musical ability. Um, not as much as uh, Elder Aurelio, but I think very few people have as much musical talent as Elder uh, as Salvatore. Uh, very few people have that much uh, sheer musical genius and ability. Just flying through their fingers yeah. um, but he was he was very good at that and he was always a very confident missionary uh, very good teacher um, the thing I like that the thing I like the most about him is he he was always appreciative of and and, and uh, it was also a very bold uh, he was always a very bold testifier of the gospel um Yeah, um, I remember uh, how he, uh, when he went home, um, he stayed out. I had heard he he intentionally had said he was going to be staying out at the uh, out on the I can't remember the name of this what it was, but on Edinburgh it's like a big public walking area. I have no idea what the name of it was. And they were serving the Edinburgh area, so, um, but you know he makes sure that he wanted to. Was doing street people contacting me all to the very end, so I took that. I'm like, you know what? I want to do that too. So instead of just kind of sitting around the in the mission home, I just wanted to go street contacting instead of sitting around the mission home until like eight thirty at night, and then I finally went back to the walk back to the mission home at that point. Hmm. I didn't want to 
I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to stop contacting. It was too. It was too much fun. It was the, the spirit was too good. Why, why turn down that opportunity when you can possibly meet one other person who is seeking the gospel, who needs the gospel in their life, and they can be their life changer at that point? Why sit back and chill out for that night? No, don't do that. Go. Street contacting it to the very last moment. That's I that, that's uh I remember doing that. That was uh that was one my that was a really fun night. That's cool. Uh, I love it. On a street that I'd never street contacted before, so yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Hmm. There was a there was a there was a few of us who were um who was it? I know Fisher, uh was was going to sit back for a little bit, but then when uh, Elder Aurelio, myself, uh, Elder Wilkie, and a couple others wanted to go out street contact, and uh, Elder Fisher's like, "All right, I'll go with you," but he was going to sit back for a little bit. But we we decided to all go out at that time. Um, I don't remember exactly how we. I think just we all had that sentiment. We just didn't want to. To leave that last night thinking like, oh man, I should have gone out. No, we just went out. Yeah. Very cool. I, I can appreciate that. Yep. It was January when I went home and so I sat around. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, would, I didn't care if it was cold or not. <sighs> it was cold and cold and drizzly like it was in the middle of winter all the time. <laughs> I, was in, I was in Huntley in the middle of winter and it was Oh, that was cold. <laughs> I was in Huntley. We, uh, one, one of the P-Day activities we went to, uh, we did, we went to a, uh, they had a big a river uh, heading up that, that ends in the, in the North Sea. And there was a hiking trail along the, along the bank of the river. You know, we went, we went there and <laughs> I ended up writing a, like a three-page story about that adventure. Um, one of the few things I actually wrote down, personal stuff I actually wrote down. I wrote a lot of mission stuff down, but I didn't write a lot of personal stuff down. I wish I did, but I didn't. Uh, I did that. The uh, while we were walking along, uh, we almost stepped into some quicksand, but we were we stopped uh, because we saw a deer that was already half submerged in it and sinking down in it. We're like, oh, Sheesh. I guess we should avoid that spot. So we avoided some, wow. we avoided some quicksand. We had to, because they had just recently had some rains there. The half the trail is kind of washed over. So remember we had to like bushwhack through some brush to get, to figure out where we were and just keep, we lost the trail because part of it got washed out. So we just started bush through the, the trees until we got to the end of the trail and we finally realized, oh, there's the trail. But yeah, we ended up bushing through the, uh, the uh, bushing through there. <laughs> I remember seeing that deer in the ground. I'm like, eh, I'm sorry for that deer, but thank you for being out there. That could have been me. <laughs> wow. Well, Charles, thank you very much for coming on. You're one of those who said, I don't know what I'll talk about. And here we are basically an hour and a half later. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Having reminisced with I'm you. Sorry, I'm sorry for hurting people's ears. I'm 
don't have anything interesting to say, probably. Hogwash. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. We really appreciate you making the time, coming on, figuring out the technical stuff so you could come on. We we really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and if you're... Uh, if, next you next time I'm down in Arizona. You Where bet. are you right now again? We both live in Colorado. Colorado, all right. But all my, all my in-laws live in Tucson, so I'll be down there sometime. Oh, well, then, well if you're down here, you probably have lunch somewhere. There's a really, really, really fantastic Chinese restaurant. Oh, I love it. Uh, in Tucson. Oh, I can't. Oh. <laughs> no, no, seriously. What's they it called? Serve, they actually serve a, a dish very, very common in China. It's called bitter melon. Hmm. Very few places will decide to serve it because most Americans hear it and go, oh, I know there's no way I'm going to try it. You've got to try it. Oh, it is. So it, the only way, best way to describe it is bitter melon. It is a melon, but it has a very bitter flavor to it. Hmm. And they saute it in like a, like a, like a, like a Shushan sauce or something like that. And uh, at this particular restaurant, they serve it with uh, with hard-boiled eggs served, uh, broken up and scattered all the way through it and served it with uh, sticky rice. Oh, it's so good. What's the name of the place? Uh, Hong Kong 81. Hong Kong 81. Okay. Or 81 Hong Kong or something like that. It's 81 in Hong Kong. I can't remember. It might be 81 Hong Kong. Uh, but it's really, really good. Uh, the last time I was there, the waitress uh, said, I remember you. I'm like, oh, I hope it's for something good and not being a bad customer. She's like, no, no, no. I remember you. You're the white guy who likes bitter melon. <laughs> I'm like, okay, is that uncommon? She's like, yeah. Usually it's only the old Asian ladies. She said, oh, usually it's only the old Asian ladies who order bitter melon. But you ordered bitter melon. You ordered bitter melon, and you're excited. Like, well, it tastes very, very good. It's like, yeah, I know. I tasted it. I did. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have tried it unless unless I was working here. I'm like, that's sad. It's so good. <laughs> and very few places <laughs> even are willing to even offer it because a lot of Americans are afraid of things that are bitter or more tangy or more textured. Well, when Chinese cooking, that is that is the point. You, 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 they go that that sticky rice along with something very savory to off offset the balance. They balance it out something that's very that's more tangy with something that's salty, or something that's sweet with something that's bitter. They do they they go for a balance. So they'll find they'll pick two flavors which are more extreme and balance them out so you get this nice melding of flavors. Whether it can be salty with bitter, it could be sweet with tangy, um, like orange chicken is sweet and tangy. That's why people love it because it's sweet. Mm. But but that's that's just the characteristic of Chinese restaurant every Chinese restaurant. So if you ever are down here, I would definitely like to have you go there because man. Is it good? All right. 
Very good. They well, should have you do the commercial for that. No, my goodness, you <laughs> sold that so well. I'm, I'm, I'm drooling just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, they, they had the their roast their 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 duck. Oh, it's good. They served the duck on uh, basically chopped a piece of the duck and like like a, a half the duck and roast it and just serve it pretty much half the duck right there. So you got to take you got to take it with your hands and actually take it apart and dig into it and dig into the gristle. But that is exactly the way if you if you like duck, that's the way you want to get it. You want to get all the juice out of the duck, and that's the best way to serve it. It's not pulled already off. Leave it on there so you can actually get into it. So you can feel the full flavor and the texture and the beautiful beautifulness of that duck is. We're gonna sell this to them. Yeah. That's what we're gonna do. To pay for our website, we're going to sell them the endorsement from <laughs> Charles Noble. Oh, no. It's, it's, they have a lot of other things besides that. They have a really big movie. Well, Charles, Charles... Charles, you should be a food critic. That should be your next like phase like in a, life. Like I think, a calling. <laughs> My wife no, makes chocolate. Noble Foods. I can see it already. Noble Foods. My and wife then, makes chocolate, so I get a chance to taste a lot of different flavor combinations. and hmm. Some of them are been good flavor combinations and some of them are very particular and like mm, you know that may not i may like it because there's very few things i food wise i don't like and i'm not willing to eat but there's most people may there's most people are a lot more limited on what they're willing to eat i'm perfectly happy digging into a duck and it's still that you have the neck and you serve with the neck and the wing and the half of the breast and just like digging right into it and my the favorite next, part, and my favorite part there on that is the neck. The next Andrew Zimmerman, Bizarre Foods host. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's what you should do. <laughs> Charles, we love you, man. You're our brother in Scotland. So we love serving around you. At least I did. I didn't get to serve with you, but man, those times in the Kirkcaldy district were good times. <laughs> So thanks for always making me smile. Yep. Yeah. I guess the only uh, the only position I could I was too slow to do anything other than goalie when when we did like uh, district football. Other than goalie, goalie is the only place that they that that I was the only appropriate place for me. So too slow to keep up with anybody else. So I was perfectly happy being the goalie. You were always the strongest foot on on the goalie line, though. I know that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that, but you're like a brick wall out there. <laughs> well, we didn't have very many. We didn't usually have too big of a goal post that we were going in, so it's easier to defend a smaller goal post than a full tournament sized goal post. That's true. Very true. And for someone like me, that was just I could hang out more in the middle of it. Kind of, you know, just watch uh, the play as the, as the ball so as the ball is getting passed left and right in the triangle formation. Um, one thing I, I grew to like, I grew to love football and the tactics of it. Um, yeah, me too. I agree. It, it, you have that triangulation sim, sim, similar to basketball, where you have the high low uh, high low pass and then kick it back out for the three ball at the end, or uh, the three the three the pass it around the, the around the three point line. And then as the uh, as the the big man is going towards the basket, you lob it into the big man while he's on the move, and that way 
he can have a chance of getting that layup on in uh in the, while he's in the motion. Same concept you have in footy, where you have your um you have your forwards uh, doing all the passing in the back, and then you have your strikers just rapidly move through the middle and try to get the pass into the onto the strikers, so uh, they can have a good chance, a better chance of getting into the goal. Um, when there's getting past the outer layer of defense, uh, you can get yep. if you can get that into the striker when there's now more of a two on like a one on two kind of deal, it's easier to get that ball into the into the goal post. Amen. Absolutely true. Yeah, it's just the, the strategy. Oh man, it's been so much fun talking with you, Charles. We we really have enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good night. All right, you too. See you. See you later, brother. Bye.